Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Desi. Uh, we, uh, we are in a process of working through these parables um, through the rest of this year and into early into next year. I've probably landed the two most popular parables, and I'm not sure if that's uh, easier or harder. Um, but we, a few weeks ago, we were looking at the prodigal son, and today, today we are looking at the Good Samaritan. It's not just a a story. Well, the Good Samaritan is a story that has probably inspired a lot of people to. Uh, to, to, to get into charity work. Um, I'm sure it's inspired companies, most likely like the, the one we're celebrating next week, the Samaritan's Purse, to bring a vision and purpose for why they exist. Getting people aware of the, the social justice space. But I believe that Jesus is saying something greater than just social justice in this story, in this parable. So in order to find out what is Jesus speaking about, we need to find out who Jesus is speaking to. <clears throat> if I can pull up my that presentation, mate, thanks. We've got the Good Samaritan is the most common uh, title of this, but I've used the words lawyer versus teacher. And you'll see in a moment why. So Jesus is speaking to a lawyer, an expert, it says, a professional, trained and uh, educated in the law of the land. Not just the civil law or criminal law like we have here in Australia, but there was no difference between church and state. The same rules were used to govern. So such was the prestige and the, uh, the, the, the power and the pride that comes with being an expert in the law. And these Pharisees and Sadducees, they, they added to the law. The, the, the 613 laws that are in the Old Testament, they added about 1,500, we're told. Not given by God, but man-made and used to manipulate and control people. And they claim their self-righteousness through it. And then there's Jesus, the teacher. Not, uh, not, not educated, we read. Not, not gone through a, a rabbi in Jerusalem for many years. God in flesh and everyone who he comes across turn to him and call him teacher. And so here comes this proud, arrogant expert whose intentions are to test Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Not asking with the intention of really wanting to know the answer. But to, in his own mind, thinking, I've got this actually down pat already. I just want to test this bloke out, see what he comes up with. 
And Jesus responds with a question. Well, you are an expert in the law, and knowing his intentions, what's written in the law? You should know. How do you read it? He gives a great answer, doesn't he? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. Love your neighbour as yourself. These are the these are found in the Old Testament. But then verse 29, I suggest, is a key verse in this passage. Because it says he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify himself. And so he asked, who is my neighbour? Justify means to be declared or made righteous in the eyes of God, to be made right. Well, Here at Monty, we believe that there is only one way to be justified, to be made right with God. That we are all born separated from God relationally. And it's only through faith in Jesus that we can be made right with God. Romans 5 says that we are justified through faith. We are justified, it goes on to say, through the death of Jesus Christ. You see, the the lawyers and all these Pharisees and Sadducees, the experts in the law, they they took the law and used it as a a box-ticking exercise to say, I've done that well, I've done that well, yeah, I'm doing that. And so I am good enough for God. But you see, the law of God, as we saw in that video earlier, the law of God is not a box-ticking exercise for us to be good enough. It is a revealing of the character of God. It gives us an understanding of who God is. That God is faithful. That God is a God of love. That God is about truth and justice. And as we view our life to who God is, not to each other, because it's easier to judge us when we look at ourselves, who am I before God? Who am I before each other? Oh, well, I haven't stuffed up like Ken. I'm much better than Ken. I'm doing okay. No, when we look at ourselves in comparison to who God is, then we recognise that we fall short of the standard. Then we recognise we fall short of who God is in his perfection, in his holiness. Coming to that place in your life, and maybe you haven't come to that place in your life, but when you have come to that place in your life, in that recognition of who I am before a perfect God, that I fall short. And I see and recognise sin in my life. We could think like the Apostle Paul who goes on in Romans to say, what a wretch I am. 
Who will rescue me from this state that I'm in? Thanks be to God, he says. There is a way. There is only one way. Faith in Jesus. Believing that Jesus died for my sin, paid the price before God, rose from the dead, and I, through faith in what Jesus has done for me, I am made right before God. That's what it means to be justified. But you see, the expert wants to justify himself. The expert wants to not have anything to do with Jesus, but wants to justify himself. I am good enough. I am good enough. I've got the laws, all the extra ones. I can do it. So who's my neighbour? I want to tick that box off. Who's my neighbour? Well, then Jesus starts this parable. A man's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away leaving him half dead. You see the, the little area from uh, Jerusalem here that... Oh, I lost it, I did have it. Uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, we've got about 30 kilometres of that, that space between Jerusalem and Jericho. Not too dissimilar to the distance from, from here to the Melbourne CBD. It's about 25 k's from here. On the right is a, a current day sort of photo of... Uh, that uh, of what it looks like now um, doesn't look too appealing. That path uh, pr- probably prefer the Western Ring Road on a Friday afternoon. <coughs> but it was also more common. It was also very commonly known as a place where thieves and robbers would hang out, waiting for people to travel through. It was a thoroughfare, a common thoroughfare especially for the Jews as they would leave Jerusalem after going in for temple practices and worship. And so Jesus talks about the three people that come across this guy that's been robbed, this Jew. The first in verse 30, 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road. But when he saw the man, he passed on by the other side. The priest, of course, from the Levite tribe was responsible for ceremonies, uh, would have been spending a lot of time in Jerusalem, spiritual leader of the people. Secondly, was a Levite. And the Levite, the same thing again, came to the place, saw him, passed by on the other side. A Levite were, were... uh, the, the priests came from the Levite tribe, but not all Levites were priests, but all priests were Levites, if that makes sense. And the Levites were set apart within the nation. Temple officials, assistants. And naturally you would think, well, the next one down is probably going to be a, a common Jew, one from the other 11 tribes. But no, it's a Samaritan. Interesting. 
There was hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews and the Jews to the Samaritans. There was a a multi-generational animosity. And I couldn't even think of something similar in this day and age. You know, there's Collingwood and Essendon supporters, but I actually know some Essendon supporters here and they're not bad people. So I couldn't really contemplate, like, what does that feel like? What does that look like? But if you go back in history, more than 700 years before Jesus, the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. And with that, they then brought in a whole range of Gentiles from around the areas to settle in that northern kingdom. And the Israelites married into these Gentiles of the time. And they started worshipping the idols that they worshipped. And then about a hundred years later, the Babylonian army came in and took control of the southern kingdom of Judah. Seventy years later, a remnant of 43,000 Jews were allowed to return to the southern kingdom to restore Jerusalem. And in that time, the northern kingdom people, the Samaritans as they're known, they didn't like what was going on. And they wanted, they got in the way through, as they tried to rebuild, they did all they could to put a stop to it. And the, this animosity started with the, the, the remnant of Israel, of, of Jews coming back to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple and this northern group of people. And so multiply that by 550 years and we get to where we are in this story. They still hate each other. They have nothing to do with each other. In fact, they try to avoid each other. They'll go the long way around so they don't have to go through Samaria. But a Samaritan, Jesus says. And you just think about all that that's going on in his mind. What we've just mentioned now. But a Samaritan. Why does it have to be a Samaritan? Oh. Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was and took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He put the man on his donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look, look after him. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense. We, we saw about the, the Hebrew word for compassion in that video. Uh, the Greek word for compassion in the New Testament that is used through the Gospels is found, is found 12 times. And, and two of those times are in parables. The two parables that I've had the last few weeks. You might remember the, 
the story with the prodigal son a few weeks ago, the father was moved with compassion, was filled with compassion. And we spoke about how that leads to action. And the action of the father in the prodigal son was to run to him, was to hug him, was to kiss him in front of the whole community, put sandals on his feet, a ring on his finger, a robe. See, the other ten times that we see the word compassion outside of these two parables are all to do with Jesus interacting with the people. That Jesus, full of compassion. Jesus had compassion on them. And as we, and as we read about Jesus having compassion, filled with compassion, Jesus is moved to action. Jesus is moved to action to heal the blind, to make the lame walk, to feed the thousands, to raise the dead. You see, it's much more than just sympathy from a distance. It's love for others that moves us into action. The Samaritan loved the person, cared for the person with compassion. And you'll see the action of the Samaritan. You see it with that, with compassion led to action. Went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Uh, they haven't seen that done at the Austin recently. They must have upgraded the techniques. <clears throat> poured on oil and wine, put the man on his donkey, took him to an inn. You, you see, you see the action. It's not a, it's not a mere sitting back, oh, what a shame. I feel for him, but what a pity, what a shame in, in that position. You see, in trying to justify himself, the lawyer, the expert, gets a straight answer on who is my neighbour. And it's not a box he can tick off. The neighbour isn't just his friends or his family or his fellow citizen. You see, it's his enemy. It's even your enemy. Loving your neighbour is even being moved to action for your enemies. This is a standard that the lawyer can't achieve. What must I do to inherit eternal life? This is the question that has led to this parable. This is the question that he came to Jesus with. Not a social justice question, but which is fine to take out of this story, but he came with a question about eternal life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? 
He thought he had all the boxes ticked. And Jesus' point here is, oh, you want to inherit eternal life through the law, well, then you need to be like God. You need to be perfect. You need to achieve that law perfectly. Of course he can't. Of course we can't. And the lawyer trying to justify himself instead of using the law to glimpse into the holiness of who God is. The lawyer seeked self-righteousness through his own actions. I will be good enough for God because I've done this, this and this, this. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love to us. While we are still, depending on the translation, but some say they're enemies. While we are still enemies with God, Christ died for us. You see, God's love and compassion on not only on this, this guy, but on you and I this morning, didn't leave him in his place, in his dwelling place, looking down on his creation and saying, oh, I feel sorry for you guys in your sin, separated from your creator. And it's a terrible situation. Oh, what a shame. No, not at all. God's love and compassion on his creation, on you and I this morning, meant that he was moved to action. And that action was Jesus coming and dying on the cross for our sins. And we are justified, not like this expert who wanted to justify himself, we are justified before a perfect holy God when we believe by faith that Jesus died for our sins. Not, I'm good enough, I've got to do this, this and this. No. We are justified when we believe by faith. We are made right with a holy God when we believe by faith. We will fail. We will fall short. Even after you've made a decision for Jesus, that will continue to happen. But God's grace is sufficient. Paul says, just as sin entered through one man and death reigned in all who live, but the gift of God. The gift of righteousness and grace is given by God that we would reign in life through Jesus. There's a a sort of a famous um, little creative story or 
Um, uh, Alistair Begg, a Scottish preacher who gives a bit of a, uh, takes a bit of poetic license in, in saying this story. Um, but I thought it would be appropriate just to share it briefly this morning in light of what we're looking at. He speaks to the desire to meet the thief on the cross who died with Jesus. Now, there were two thieves that died with Jesus. But there was one that Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But he says, I'd love to meet that guy and see how it worked out for him. Because here he is, not baptised, swearing at Jesus, originally it says, along with the other criminal. Never been to a small group, doesn't go to church. But he made it (laughs) into the presence of God. And he says, well, you can imagine the, the angel's questions to this guy when he rocks up, what are you doing here? And he says, I've got no idea. Well, what's the, uh, your stance on the theology of justification by faith? And he says, I've got no idea what that is. Well, how much have you been tithing? What percentage? Well, I've got no idea, I've never done it. He said, well, on what basis do you then come to this place? On what basis do you stand here in the presence of God for eternity? And he says, on the basis that the man on the middle cross said, I can come. People have been attempting to be good enough for Jesus, for God, for eternity in heaven. People have been attempting to be good enough since the beginning of time. And in 2023, millions of people are trying to be good enough to get to heaven. And we've got all sorts of different names to identify who these people and what religion they belong to. But the reality is this expert and anyone today have never been and will never be good enough to earn their way into God's kingdom. That's not how it works. By God's grace we are saved through faith that we are then made right with God relationally and we are called into a life of obedience and purpose for the years that we spend here on earth telling others about who Jesus is not for salvation but because of salvation I'm called to tell others 
Only by God's grace we are saved. Not by works, lest any of us should boast. Let we give thanks. Father in heaven, we thank you that we have your word and we have it so freely and that in it your truth for eternal life is revealed. Help us, O Father, not to just have minds that have been informed and to gain knowledge, but to have lives that are transformed. That we may know in our hearts that we belong to the kingdom because of we have come to a decision by faith in Jesus, not by anything we could do ourselves. Bring this to the forefront of our minds and make the conviction of our hearts of this, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.